1: Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone, the podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. To help us discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hello. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, maybe we can help. We're breaking from the usual episode format to do another deep dive, this time Scream 6, which is now available on digital and Paramount Plus. Yay, Paramount Plus. Yeah. As of you, if you listen to this on a Wednesday, it would have dropped yesterday. So go watch it. Please, please, please go watch it don't listen to us until after you watch it and then come back yeah. and then like listen to all of our episodes again and because downloads and stuff like that <laughs> that's right deep dive time baby fair warning during this deep dive into scream 6 there will be nothing but spoilers from here on out did y'all get sick of me saying spoilers every other time we've done deep dives <laughs> well guess what spoilers, spoilers. spoilers. going spoiler. into this one blind is the only way to really get the most out of the film it's a scream film yeah while they're formulaic they're An evolving formula. Yes. But we don't want to spoil the reveals. So please, please. I can't imagine there's that many people out there that's like, nah, I'll just, I'll listen to this and then go watch it. Like, no, no. don't do that. Yeah, don't." don't. And that will be the last spoiler warning we give this episode. So if you're still listening in the other room, car, whatever, trying to fumble, turn off the volume, press stop. Okay. We'll give you the slow countdown as usual. Five four three two one here we go so from here on out the reins are officially in megan's hands. so megan why don't you go ahead and start us off
2: so i don't really think that scream six is a movie that needs a whole lot of setup i feel like people know (laughs) uh plot wise ghostface is back and so are the characters from scream five uh this released in theaters on march 10th so literally last month um And just to add context, because I think it's fascinating, the original Scream opened in theaters in December 1996, became a sleeper hit, and then Scream 2 was literally a year later, released uh, December 1997. Just noting that because Scream 6 kind of follows Scream 2's uh, blueprint in that it's following the survivors to college. So that is, I feel like, all the setup we really need on this.
1: And they do actually call it out in the movie.
2: Yes, yes. They...
1: The, hey, this isn't this what happened? And not saying Scream 2, but hey, this happened before.
2: Yes, multiple times, yes. Um. So it is definitely having a conversation with Scream 2. So, you know, go back and watch that too, maybe? I don't know. But um, beyond that, what were your expectations going into Scream 6? Because I do think that Scream... Five was a Dark Trio-approved movie, right? We all liked it, or am I yes. misremembering? We did. We did. Uh,
1: we did. It took me two viewings. It took you two It's not that I didn't approve. It's that I just wasn't really on board because I was like, I just, I didn't really know what was happening because of all the new characters. Right. What, what sold it for me more than anything else was David Arquette mm. in Scream 5, so him by himself basically made me approve i love i just love the story arc for dewey that's yeah.
2: That's so with on that note what did you feel about scream six like in the months leading up to the release were you excited were you like well ah, we'll see where it goes
1: uh you know that the trailer that i saw and maybe there were multiple trailers but the trailer i saw were there was the subway and then you see the convenience store scene mm-hmm. that that sold me okay. that i was like I I loved the gritty, the dirty, gritty-looking ghost face mask. To me, (laughs) it was kind of, which is a weird parallel. It was like watching Rogue One, the Star Wars story. Okay. Where all of a sudden, like, it starts out and they're on, like, this dirty mining prison planet. And all the stormtroopers are dirty. Like, they're covered in dirt and grime and something. There's something about that... Uh, when you take that crisp clean look of something and make it a little bit more grimy yeah. for whatever reason in my ridiculously simple brain i'm like ooh this is going to be gritty and real <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so dumb it's such a simple marketing but, tactic i, I like that. i like
2: that this, this tiny little detail is is really a big deal for you zena yeah. i assume you also were pretty amped going in
0: I I was very um, excited, but I'm not going to lie. I was so nervous. I was nervous because, you know, with what happened in Scream 5, it's just my heart cannot, Mm. you know? So I was super nervous about it. And um, I waited. Like, I remember I was able to see Scream 5 early, but this one I waited to see it because, you know, I remember people were, like, spoiling um, the last one. So, yeah, yeah, and I had to Mm. mute it, like, on social media. Anyway, um. Yeah. So I went in super excited. And I already told you guys this. I watched the they had like a teaser on the train, you know, uh, on in the subway and stuff like that. Those loved it so much. But I didn't watch the trailer. You know, I didn't watch it until after I checked it out. And it just made me have like a really great appreciation for the movie.
2: Same. I, I was the same because I I saw that subway clip that was like the little teaser. And then I was I was determined to not watch anything past that because mm-hmm. I I want to go in. This is a movie, you know. You want to go in knowing nothing. You want no clues about what could the who done it mystery be. Um, yeah. But I also, so I was nervous too about some of the characters' fates. But I also was just kind of like laid back about it. I don't think I was nearly as excited as I was five, just because I. I knew that the same people were involved and I was thinking, well, I'm going to like it. So, I'm fine. I'm way more excited about some of these unknowns. And then for me, that screening was a roller coaster ride. I was not prepared for how intense they were going to make it, and I was just so amped about that. It was I was just jazzed, over the moon about how this movie made me feel from all of the set pieces and stuff that we'll get into. So, I was curious how you felt, your immediate reactions coming out. Were you like super jazzed? Were you like, yeah, I'll sit on that. Zeta? we'll start with
0: you. Well, I was I was excited about it. It gave me all the feels. Um, I told you, well, I don't know if I told you. I feel like I just, I always talk a lot. But no, I really like Scream 4. So when they mentioned that one, which we knew like, you know, Spoiler again. Kirby was coming back. So yeah. it gave me all the feels because, you know, for for that one, um, part four is, you know, kind of, not trying to sound cheesy, it's very special to me. So, you know, being able to bring her back and seeing her, it's just like, all right, now come on, bring Stu back, you know? So yeah. it's just, like, exciting to see that it, that it's, like, it's so crazy how far this franchise has come, you know? Like, it's just... No, it's just, it's magical. It's magical. John,
2: how did you feel? Do you need two watches to to reappraise or were you right off the bat? How did you feel?
1: Well, I did have two watches. Huh? Actually, I watched it by myself once. And then I went and watched it with my wife about a week or two later. Um, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, so, uh, for people behind the scenes quick glimpse behind the scenes we were talking should we do like rank our favorite screams or rank them in order and that was quickly shot down we're like (laughs) we're not going to open that kettle of worms it's not no that'll be terrible there's going to be too much disagreement from people not us i mean we like what we like but other people very strong stances on it so i i i liked this i like this a lot more the on my first viewing i probably liked this this might be like uh, only second behind the original because the second one, the second one was what it was. Like I have my issues with the second one. The third one is very campy. Uh, The fourth one, I I still, I'm still not entirely on board with. I can give it another watch. It's still, it's still a harder watch for me. Five. I took me five or multiple viewings because I didn't really know the people. This one, I knew the people. Mm -hmm. I was also more familiar with like Jenna Ortega And just – and, like, the number of, like, Easter eggs and everything that was happening. Like, the fact that – I mean, we'll probably get into it. Like, Samara Weaving is in this. Yeah. And if you notice at one point, the bride from Ready or Not – someone's wearing the bride costume from Ready or Not. I don't know if New York is really like this as far as the costumes. But, damn, if it Mm -hmm. is –
0: it is. is yes. It? Halloween is the best time to go to New York, especially oh if you go God. like, yes, it's it's a must go. I remember, we already talked about this, just going into detail. They always There's always like a Halloween parade and it yeah. stretches throughout the city and everything like that. And then afterwards, there's so many after parties and then there's bar parties. So then people, you know what I mean? There's even house parties that you could just loop in. I mean, I went into someone, I know, but it was other people. It's fine. You know, but everyone on the train, they're wearing their stuff. Um, so yeah, it's just it's very magical. And now thinking back on it, that is kind of creepy. I didn't really think anything of it though. Uh,
2: I absolutely yeah. adore that we have a New York fact checker here. She yes. can she yeah. can tell us what is real and what is not. Uh, yes, but yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, I think and I, I I like the pacing. I mean, we'll we'll get into it, mm-hmm. like the opening sequence and kind of just trying to figure out the reveal and what's going on with the characters, etc. It just felt uh, smoother to me. Like I felt like more like I was along with the ride and mm-hmm. less of, wait, who is that? Because I'm not trying to relearn people. And right. That's hard. Right. Which is funny too, because you watch Scream for the first time, you don't know who any of them are, but they get cemented as the bedrock of the series. It's like, yeah, well, I didn't know who they were. Yeah. So by six, uh, I was genuinely impressed that, I, I would argue that scream is probably the most consistently most consistent horror franchise there is as far as like... mostly because it just quality. like if you if you were like actually like rankings, granted, they didn't have to endure the they were the turning point in the 90s. so they didn't have to endure the late 80s, early 90s franchise curse for so many series. but i I think generally speaking, what they've been able to do with scream from one to six has been pretty amazing
2: yeah yeah speaking of opening though let's break mm-hmm. down that opening because obviously the first one established the reoccurring pattern that there would be an opening sequence and this <laughs> one you get a little bit of a one-two punch you do get uh samara weaving who is a mm-hmm. film professor named Laura Crane? Because, of course, there's going to be a, a, a horror movie nod there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought it would end there. And I was shocked mm. that they unmasked. And then they quickly decided to kind of put that mask back on with an extent with that ghost face paid, played by Tony Rivolo. Um, then he gets killed. So, what did you think about the opening sequence? The, the one-two I, I, punch of it all
1: that just what you said i was like oh wow that was actually a pretty quick kill and it felt almost anticlimactic i was like god it didn't there was kind of a build and you saw it coming like you you do like you're literally like okay you're being lured down an alley yeah like <laughs> and then she gets killed and you're like okay you got killed and then the mask comes off and you're like that's not what? happened
2: not this early like,
1: yeah, how are you showing us who the killer is right away? And then they set up just this pretentious dick who you're okay with getting stabbed and shoved into a refrigerator. What college kid just keeps a bottle of vodka sitting on the nightstand with a couple of clean glasses waiting for him? Come on, man.
2: <laughs> tequila. Just... Tequila. because it Was is... it tequila? Yes, okay. because it was Espelon, which apparently was a sponsor or something. Because
1: Oh, well, that's what she was drinking at the bar. That's what he has in his room, too. I didn't yes. notice that's what he had in his room. I thought he was drinking vodka. He, I he noticed had... that she was drinking that at the bar.
2: Yes, they both had it, and they were a sponsor. And if you saw it at an AMC theater, you would notice at the bar that they had themed scream cocktails with espalones so they had some kind oh, of like sponsorship deal going there so good for them good for them really cool
1: yeah but no i thought it was a pretty i, I that was that was a good opening i was pretty happy like I'm, I'm never really upset with the openings of scream even like scream three i still like the scream three open yeah um but it, yeah it worked good job for them to bait and switch like we hadn't seen before
2: while kind of establishing motive and at least that it would be personal. And uh, what was the other thing that I thought they had like Jenna Ortega woven in there, which is kind yeah. of anomaly because it's usually very self-contained. So they were kind of opening it up a bit. Um,
1: and the, yeah, the fact that the end of the movie comes back to the beginning of the movie and you didn't even necessarily realize that there was a connection. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, wait, there is a connection.
2: Yeah. Zena, thoughts. Did this sequence well... work for you?
0: Yes, it did. It was such a surprise, like already what, you know, John stated, where it's just like, you know, that's something that we didn't see, you know, happening. But I do want to touch on, you know, Samara Weaving. I remember there were like a lot of people saying how, oh, I wanted to see her more. Right. And it's just like, I agree. But it's just like, you know, what an honor it is. I mean, it sucked for her character, but it's just like, wow, that is such an honor to be that character. Like it's I, she I, was, timeless. Perfect. She fit was for Drew it.
1: Barrymore. Yeah, it's perfect. It's just,
0: yeah, it's it's great. Like, honestly, I felt like this one was going to be different once I saw that because it's like, you know, mm-hmm. that setup, we're very familiar with it. But then that happened. You yeah. know, we had to, like, do a double take type of thing.
2: I also, well, I think the Easter egg stuff we're just going to end up touching on throughout this conversation because there are just mm-hmm. way, way, way too many way too many uh to list but I did appreciate that uh directors um Tyler Gillette and Matt Bettinelli-Olpin could not resist the you know you don't always want to go for low hanging fruit in this case it's so on the nose perfect you couldn't if you you know what I mean the yeah. the character that gets unmasked Tony uh he's he's watching Jason takes Manhattan on the TV
0: that's so cool yeah.
2: Now I think that just set the bar high right off the bat as far as if we're gonna do Easter eggs, right? Um, mm-hmm. but I love that because this is this was shot mostly in Montreal. And I feel like they did such a good job of making this feel like New York, not mm-hmm. Montreal. I feel like Zina would definitely be able to speak to that better than I could. She is well acquainted with New York. Did
0: Yes, I agree. Um, and this is kind of jumping ahead. We kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember if we uh if we were recording or not, but um, I really love that, like the way that they showcased New York. They Mm. showcased New York from people who live there, not tourists, you know, because I know like, you know, um, Jason takes Manhattan. Yes, he he went to Times Square, but it's just like, let me tell you guys something. (laughs) Times Square is packed and I hate it there. So I love the fact that we didn't go there because once, when you live there, you go, but it's like, not really once you go once there's no need for you to go again and plus again people who live there that's not you don't go to like the touristy spots and you don't go check out you know what i mean you want to get away from the crowds yeah yeah so you you just have a regular like type of routine so i love the fact that they showcase that i love the fact that they you know they uh took the subway they went to a bodega you know they show their apartment building it was just like she, they went to a party. Perfect. They were sitting in the park. Realistic. So, yeah. Awesome job with, a, with the set design. To me, it felt very real. It felt real. Yeah.
2: Um, mm-hmm. The opening also kind of pokes fun a little bit of Giallo and sets up commentary So, you know, obviously the Scream franchise is very known for its meta commentary on horror. How did you feel about this movie? Did you think it included commentary on horror? And if so, do you think it worked? And do you think, I know I'm asking a whole bunch of questions at Mm -hmm. once, but did, did this have commentary? Did it execute it well? And do you think that commentary is
0: crucial to a Scream movie? Okay, but we need one question
2: at a time. What? One, okay, okay.
1: What? One <laughs> I got stressed. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sweat
2: and I wish. know. Three, three questions. Okay. Question one. I'm gonna start in reverse, but I'm giving you one at a time. So, so roll with it. Zeta, okay. do you think that having commentary on the horror genre itself is is absolutely necessary to have in a screen movie?
0: Um, I think so, because at this point we already had, this is number six, you know what I mean? And the fact that that kind of creates something more realistic, because it's like after, you know, the fourth time, it's just like, come on, you know what I mean? With Sydney as an example, why do you keep going back to Woodsboro, right? So just kind of showing that I love the fact that they're, they're showcasing it in a creative type of way. And being realistic, because even when you think about the first one, the second one, we all have, oh well, I wouldn't have done that, or shouldn't they know this or know that? So the fact that they know the rules and you know what I mean, but the fact that they're still showcasing that. Did I answer it?
2: Yes. We'll we'll okay. keep we'll keep asking other questions that'll that elaborate on it further. So that's but John, what about you for you? Is is having horror commentary necessary to a scream movie? I
1: mean, I think at this point it is. Um I'm more curious because now they've with the most recent one, the rules were the rules of a franchise. I I don't know what's next. Like they did a horror movie, a sequel, a trilogy. Um, I don't know what four they were even talking about in four, like what what they referred to, but then it was the legacy for five and now a franchise for six. Well, what's seven going to be? I I don't even know unless that, I don't know. It was some sort of a reboot. They were calling it like a, a legacy reboot for Five. So there'll be some new term for Seven. It's more that... it was a yes, requel feel in, like, in Five. Or or yeah, that's what it was. <clears throat> so it kind of makes me wonder more than anything else. Yes, it feels like that commentary does need to exist. That almost wall-breaking, let's explain the rules to the audience sort of thing. And at the same time, I just don't know where it's going to go. Like, yeah, cool. And what the hell is Seven? <laughs> Like, what's the next one unless it's a full reboot of the series, which it's not going to be at this point, at least not yet.
2: So the, the follow up questions that I asked was, you know, what do you think the commentary is for this one and if it executed it well? And as an example... You know, obviously you have uh Mindy Meeks, played by Jasmine Savoy Brown. She's the the Randy. She is literally Randy's niece. And so she's mm-hmm. the one often giving these roles. And last one, she was explaining the requel. And this one, she's explaining... There's the whole scene where she's explaining to her, her group what to expect from this sequel that they're in. I feel like that's only surface level. I feel like that's kind of like... You know the requisite scene that you would have in Scream, but to me this commentary kind of shifted, and it started with the first one, and it's definitely played up hugely here. And I think that's where it's going to go, and that the commentary is on the fandom itself. It's not on the genre. It's turning the mirror and making you look at yourself because everything Mm -hmm. is is around like a subset of toxic fandom. Um, yeah. Which is not to say every fan, scream fan is toxic. It's just specifically like Richie in the last movie is and, mm-hmm. and how that carries in. So I was just curious if you kind of saw it that way or if you kind of l- latched on to a different part of commentary or maybe you thought that it didn't really execute commentary at all, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know, Xena, if you wanted to. Sorry. Yeah, weigh no,
0: in. I. I agree. I think that it was showcasing the fans, you know, definitely holding up Amira. And I also feel like every single time it just feels like they want to make women, well, especially with part six, they want, you know, women to be the villain, you know, like, especially with what they did to Sam in this one, um, where it's just kind of like, you know, she was a victim, you know, she was a victim, but it completely turned and everything so the fact that a victim is being turned into a villain, and it's just like it's like everybody just pretty much was against her, and I can totally see that happening, especially on places like Reddit. Yeah, yes, I just stay away from absolutely. there. So, absolutely. So yeah. So it, and it's unfortunate, but it's just like I love the fact that they showcased um, that because. He, It's always kind of been that way because even with the first one with Sydney, you remember the the girls in the bathroom—they didn't believe her, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then when she went to college, people were making fun of it, you know. And so it's just kind of like, man, she just can't get a break. So I feel like they they had like a lot of um things going on. I love the fact that it just transformed into you know something else. Digital
2: age, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: it fits. It does,
2: John.
1: Um. And I, I thought of it, it felt like a lens shift to me. It didn't feel like it was commentary on horror at all anymore. It actually felt like it was a societal commentary, especially a generational commentary. Right. That, like, you look at these two college kids who are going to finish this film and they're going to kill. And they start out by killing the film professor. It's like, oh, fuck her. She gave me a C on my Giallo paper. These
2: highbrow Giallo fans. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. It's. It's this numbness (laughs) that I think that it's this conversation that people so casually not only will watch true crime and listen to true crime and speculate on it and have their favorite serial killers. Like serial killer tours is a huge industry. There are people who literally say they love Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. And we have kind of this cultural numbing. One, because we're so, our attention spans are getting so short. Yeah. And I think not only that, and but we're mixing that with entitlement. So we only care about things that are in our face. And when the narrative shifts, we're kind of okay to just jump on that bandwagon. Like Zena was saying, start blaming the victim. <laughs> well, why was she there? Oh my God, she totally mm-hmm. did it. Oh yeah, I, I don't know, but I I don't know, but I know sort of thing. Like, Or I did my research or whatever. <laughs> bullshit stuff people say now yeah so it felt more like a societal commentary on just how generally or even even helicopter parenting this concept of like what one parent was willing to do for his kid and then what he's willing to do for his quote-unquote family yeah and, and the weird toxicity that invades all of us even within our home lives and so it just it felt more a bigger scope they were shifting the... Le- they were pulling the lens back. Yes. Not just the toxicity of fandom, but the toxicity of this social commentary society that we Yeah, have.
2: but they they frame it within the horror, you know, like the horror fans yeah. and the horror professor. Yep. And it's still applicable across the board, which is great because mm-hmm. those are conversations worth having beyond just among horror fans. But yeah, it's... Uh, It's very interesting how it's like the meta has gone meta in a way is how I I view this. So, yeah, Um, I think that means we all we all dug what it was saying. Um, We'll probably dig into some of those threads a little bit later. But obviously, we have to talk about something that John already touched on, which is this solidifies the core four. the four survivors Mm -hmm. of the last one have now dubbed themselves the core four some maybe a little bit hesitant to embrace that but the core (laughs) four versus the woodsboro three the original three there was definitely a lot of conversations had going into this movie because we lost dewey the last movie um nobody knew how much courtney cox would be in it as gail uh and then obviously nev campbell bowed out entirely so did you miss them I mean, Courtney Cox's Gale is in it for a bit, but I feel like this this was definitely way further in, in passing the torch to the new generation. So how did you feel um, about... Did you miss the originals, or were you so absorbed
0: with the core four? I missed the originals, and first with Dewey, when they played his music, I wanted to die, because it's hmm. just like... You know that hurts oh, yeah. so yeah, bad, hurts. yeah. Like, it's just, I'm still like, why, <laughs> you know? It's, yeah. So, um, you know, I love seeing Gail, you know, but it's weird. I love seeing her, but I didn't want to see her because I don't want anything to happen to her, yes. And with Sydney, I missed her, you know. I kind of thought that this was going to be like a PR stunt, that she was going to be in it, she was going to pop up and be like, boom, and I'm like, yeah. But then she's not there. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, so I feel like they were missed. But I mean, I still really did enjoy the movie. But, you know, it's just because we we love the characters. We're used to the characters. So that's why, at least for me. Sean, how did you feel?
1: Well, a quick side note: as Zena mentioned, the music. Bravo to the music cues. Yeah. Normally, I've made it well known that I barely even notice music in movies, but when some of those cues from like the original Scream movies were hitting, I was just like, oh, "They're doing it! Yeah. <laughs> You're doing it, Peter!" <laughs> yeah, um, but you you know, I was I was glad um, that Nev Campbell wasn't in it actually kind of gail kind of has that line of like she's lived she she deserves some peace yeah and i agreed like she was safe she was not there don't drive there she's don't got kids she's
2: she's got exactly. a husband and kids it's harder for her to be like i'm just gonna go tackle something that doesn't involve me
0: but it makes you wonder like i wonder how old her kids are and will ghostface eventually start going down that road trying well, to go after you know
2: i don't know about plural but they did show her with a stroller in the last movie oh. to indicate yeah. that they're they're little yeah so yeah
1: so i i was okay with her not being in it and and honestly the story had nothing to do with her anyway yeah like i i felt more like her just acknowledging that like sydney knows she's in the mountains was literally just for the fans because yeah she hadn't been brought up At all, other than the fact that they were trying to connect why the masks were happening. Nobody had brought her up. Ghostface had never mentioned her. There was nothing like that. So it would have felt really weird. It's like, okay, I'm going to show up and help. It's like, nobody asked. Why are you putting yourself in the middle of this? Now it's just getting weird. Yeah. Be safe. Yeah, Live your life. Like you've done enough.
2: The the movie from the opening sequence makes it clear that this Ghostface is... Very, it's got a very personal vendetta against the Carpenter yeah. sisters, not Sydney against the Carpenter sisters. So you know, I do think that from what I'd read, the door is still open. I don't I get the impression based on this one that she would not have been anything more than a cameo anyways. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if that means that, you know, she'll get paid what she what she wants and deserves for the next one to pop in and it fits organically, then yes. But as for what we got, I feel like it worked out well um, because Gail is in it. Uh, she has... A couple of key scenes, um, some nostalgic and some for plot, you know, propelling forward purposes. And I don't think that had Sydney been in it, that scene, that final scene with Gail would have hit as hard. Because Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I was like holding my breath white knuckle. Like, don't you dare Dewey her.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah.
2: And her line about like, tell Sydney he didn't get me was like, gut-wrenching like i was so sad like don't you dare do it the collective breath i think the entire theater let out when they found a pulse like that hits because Uh. it's gail and because she's alone as far as the survivors. she had the carpenter sisters with her but i don't think that that line you know would have hit if sydney's right there you know
1: yeah Yeah. And, and a quick side note about the core four at first i groaned when chad said core four yeah and like they, they all <laughs> chuckle and they do it and whatever and they're like ah and i was like that was dumb but by the end You're... damn it if chad didn't turn me i don't know yeah. oh. he, he's... I'm, I'm... <laughs> he's so infectious he is, like, he's, I was like, himbo. Ah.
2: he's a nice himbo and he kind of becomes by the end the new dewey not the Dewey is replaceable. Kinda, yeah. I just want to make that Poor clear. Poor guy's but... a freaking
1: pin cushion. Yeah, just like
2: Mindy, his twin sister is the Randy, but she's not actually Randy. You know, they're they're yeah are typically similar personality wise, very different. But yeah, I I very much was happy with how the core four grew as characters. The introductions are out of the way. Now we get more comfortable. Sam, you know Melissa Barrera. I liked her in five. I thought she was incredible in six. So yeah, Same. I'm with John. Like they, they totally won me over. Like if I if I didn't already like like them, this this would be the movie that definitely is like yeah, you 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 sustained this movie. Um, so yeah. Uh, I don't know. We should definitely touch on the other returning player because I know Scream Four being important and magical to Zena. Were you happy with Kirby? <laughs>
0: I was very happy with Kirby. You know, I knew that she wasn't going to be a main, main character, you know, that we weren't going to be with her the whole time. I just love the fact that it felt like we were, like, listened to as fans, you know, and kind of like in four, we didn't see her die. So it's just like then when they confirmed it in five, it was just like, yay. Well, they kind of did, but we we knew, you know. yeah. So that was just, you know, for me, it was just awesome to see. And I hope that we see her again. You know, I'm open to seeing her again just because... I love her. And then the fact that her and Mindy, like, they should just be friends and hang out and go get tea and (laughs) smoothies together and watch movies, you know? Yeah. What a horror movie night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Wes Craven
2: did say a long time ago, like, that you don't see her die. So we kind of didn't intend for that. And then we did get the little Easter egg last movie where it's like she was confirmed to be alive. Um, Conversely. I'm not gonna ask John about Kirby. I'm gonna ask because they, they gave fans Kirby. They did not give fans the thing that John wanted most. Yeah. In fact, they even had a line about it. So sorry. I'm sorry. This is a spoiler episode. So we can talk about how Stu was not the killer. They even they even added his TV into the museum. So no. So was that an, a sad disappointment for you or were you ultimately fine?
1: I'm ultimately fine. I just like going down those stupid rabbit holes sometimes. It's like, <laughs> Oh yeah, Stu's totally alive. Like...
2: So yeah, you were, you were fine with Stu. Now would, would that have been disappointing though? Like if, if it turned out that, because there were a lot of theories that, and a lot of fans hoping that it would be uh, a very angry Stu out for revenge. Wow. Would would you have been disappointed to ultimately have been like, well, I saw that coming months in advance.
1: If if I'm being 100% honest with myself and realistic about my reaction, I probably would have been disappointed if Stu was behind it all. Yeah. Because that's not who Stu was. No. Like, that wasn't the purpose. Stu was the, the, the henchman. He was the second guy. He wasn't the... And depending on how you want to look at the franchise and who's actually planning the murders, etc., through, like, Scream 3, like, that wasn't him. He wasn't the mastermind. So I'm okay with him not suddenly being some weird james bond villain reveal like <laughs> oh my god Stu was behind it the whole time like that would have been it's a very scooby-doo and, right yeah and i'm also, not saying that it couldn't have been done but eh. it's a tall
0: and also order. it didn't really kind of fit because yeah. it was about the carpenter sisters yeah um, i mean it would have been a nice surprise and people would have been happy but then when you think about it, it's like wait a minute you know where have you well, been maybe,
1: <laughs> well maybe we found out that his mom and dad really were pissed <laughs> and his mom and dad worked at the same company as the Carpenter sisters and their dad fired his parents because of the therapy he needed. So he's mad at the Carpenters through their parents. And you guys can just cut me off at any time because I'm going to keep stalking stupid. No, no. We, uh, well, you've
2: got a whole thing. We got to see how far this conspiracy web goes.
1: No, nah, nah. I'm, I'm going to stop <laughs> okay. that. That was it. Stu's mad at the Carpenters for some manufactured MacGuffin.
2: That is uh, not what actually happened, which is a perfect segue. <laughs> how, because there are many things that makes a Scream movie a Scream movie, the whodunit It is absolutely one of the top three things. Um, so mm-hmm. how important is it to you that it be a whodunit? Um, and did this do it well?
0: Were you surprised? Well, for me, I think that that's, it's very important for it to remain a whodunit because I feel like that's just the whole franchise, you know? And it's always so much fun guessing who it is. And no, I did not see it coming. I had no, I was confused and I was shocked, you know, in the seat, especially. Okay, well, without going too much into I'll just stop right there. I was just very confused, but it was just like, it was pure genius and they would have gotten away with it too i'm just gonna sound like scooby-doo but i'll stop <laughs> it wasn't for those meddling, meddling kids. kids yeah we'll
2: circle back to that but we'll get john's reaction first okay uh i
1: i kind i kind of saw i kind of guessed it but not 100 percent I i guessed so early on when um when uh who, who's if you need names quinn quinn,
2: quinn? bailey quinn? played by liana yeah. liberatu when she
1: mentions losing her brother like early on that's what made me think well well, wait a second you lost a brother Mm
0: -hmm. like
1: is that going to be some weird connection like and then it turns out it absolutely is yeah so and then when you don't actually see her die um then like that's always a big thing you just see her song movies or anything body
2: with the
1: throat yeah but screen movies have never been afraid to show you someone dying.
0: And this one doesn't. So,
1: no. I mean, I, so, I thought
0: that they were trying I to kind, showcase a different way because there was some other stuff that was yeah. going on, and we were oh, distracted. It was, sure. yeah.
1: And, yeah, so I kind I kind of guessed those two. Like, it made sense to me. Like, it wasn't some big, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I was kind of in my mind those playing two, along.
2: Who was the other one? Or, you and suspect. her dad. Oh, okay, okay.
1: So, like, when her dad, the moment that he called so at first when he said let's check in on kirby like check the fbi field office at first i was kind of like okay maybe he's on the up and up but then when there's this random when he calls out that like kirby's been off the job you don't see him get that information Mm -hmm. and again like we're never afraid to see people find information in these type movies either so when someone just presents information that they found it's also suspect now that said i did not see uh ethan being the third I didn't think I didn't see that coming at all and then it was funny that It's like yeah no it to- you, you totally nailed it like right off the bat like, that of incredible? Fun of, I'm I like love you guys that. called it I love yeah. that
2: um Xena you may because I feel like there's a lot to unpack I yeah do, I do think that um there was like some kind of leak because I remember seeing something but I was trying to give it wide birth and not because I didn't want it spoiled but there were some spoilers on the killers um there was definitely some sp- suspicions for me that came and went but the 3 3 of them there's three killers in this one that's a franchise <laughs> burst and it's all worth it for the flanking of the ghost faces with the synchronized blade wipes. Incredible. But, Zena, definitely, I feel like you have yeah. thoughts on this. So, like, elaborate on what you were saying earlier.
0: Yeah, like, I completely bought Quinn's story about her brother. I was like, oh, it's your brother? Mm. You know? And then, you know, <laughs> with, with, with the cop, it was just like, when he came out after seeing his daughter... But like I believe him, yeah. you know. Well, Dominic
1: Maroney is a fine actor. He's
0: he is. such a great actor. I'm so used to always pl- him playing that guy that's just like you know, oh, be in a relationship with me. But yeah, anyway, okay. <laughs> Plimious, um, I just, I just really didn't see it coming. But then when I started to like think thinking about it like right now and everything, and I also rewatched it this past weekend with Ethan. It was kind of like he he was given like weird vibes, but it was just kind of, that's like the second watch that I realized that, you know, where it's just like there were certain times, obviously, that he wasn't around and it makes sense with that. And then um again, going back to Quinn, it wasn't like, you know, brand new that she had a dude in the room, you know, so right. I just assumed that, oh, no, you know, um, I don't know. I was thinking that maybe it was going to be like a student who was in the background or maybe even like a professor. I don't know. Like, I just, I have to be honest with you, sometimes um, with everything that was going on with this, it's not that I forgot that it's a whodunit. It was just, just more so if I just wanted up. to, yeah, you just kind of wanted to just in, in, enjoy it at that point. But yeah, I i just didn't see it like coming at all. And I remember yeah. when they did reveal it and there were other people in the theater too. Everybody went, "Oh!" It was okay, I knew I wasn't the only one. So that no. made me feel better. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'm also of the let me enjoy this roller coaster ride and we'll arrive at the reveals when. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I liked how they they definitely, I liked the reveal. I liked that Mindy called it. I even thought it was hilarious that she ran from the hospital to be like, guys, guys, I know. And it was after the fact. So that was, yeah. Yeah. That was very was I missed fun. the
1: reveal again? Yeah. Aww.
2: You didn't need to miss it. You knew it, Mindy. Um, so, which leads us to speaking of, uh, the Liana Liberato, her fake out death scene, which is just a bare fraction of the intensity. Not that this series has ever shied away from really gruesome deaths. I mean, they established that right off the bat with, uh, Drew Barrymore's disemboweling, Mm -hmm. but I really, really liked it felt personal. This is a personal motive and it felt yeah. personal and very vicious. And the way that mm-hmm. they did some set pieces that maximized the suspense was so good to me. Uh, the ladder scene in particular mm. where they're all oh, having yeah. to crawl. Mm, it's this, this the same extended sequence that begins with <sighs> Ghostface in the apartment and they are trying to get across the apartment uh, on, a, on a rickety ladder that's not stable. So good. And I don't know I about been- you.
0: Yeah, oh, I was just gonna say. Honestly, I would have been Anika. I would have been too scared. I'm sorry, like I I can't do it. We we
2: do have to give special mention to her because this is this is a new character. She's technically expendable. It's heartbreaking. She's Mindy's mm-hmm. girlfriend. She's she's got sass. You you root for her yeah. right away, and she gets got it like those blades like it goes in deep and it's it twists you see it twist Mm -hmm. and it's like this girl is in real bad shape how is she gonna get across this very athletically inclined escape route uh i don't know about you guys but anytime a character like this cries that they don't want to die it instantly like gets me in the feels because it's like Baby girl, I don't want you to die either. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know, that's not... The, she does die. And it's really, really no. gruesome and brutal and unpleasant. Uh, how did you feel about the intensity of this movie? Did you have a standout set piece like me in the latter sequence?
1: I, I mean, I love the bodega. The bodega? I The bodega scene was really great of not, like, the... the Not just the set pieces, but the characters and the interactions, and you know the shopkeeper does have a gun. Of course, he's got a gun, Mm -hmm. and like, and very nearly blows Ghostface's head off. Yeah, and like, just in the 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 claustrophobia of the situation, but also just the noise, and there's the mirror, and and the proximity and everything that, and it's fully lit. It's not dark. And yet, like, that almost adds even more tension, like, well, we can see them, then he can see them. And it's like, and they can see them. And so I thought that, that scene in particular, I really liked.
0: Yeah. Is that yours, too? You? Well, yeah. I mean, I have a long list, but just to keep it <laughs> short and to give something all different. Them. All of them. No, um, I'm going to say I really like uh, the setup when uh, Sam, when she was talking to her therapist in the brownstone. I really like brownstones. I think that they're creepy. They're they're beautiful, but they're creepy. And so the fact that, you know, you have this therapist who invites, you know, clients to come in. I mean, it's crazy that that just happened. Another
2: ready or not crossover. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was just kind of, um, I like the setup of it because I knew that something was going to happen to him, you know, um, because of what he played in before. And then the fact that just the way that it looked
1: stabbed through the nose oh that was Ooh. brutal yeah. yeah
2: it was so brutal i think yeah. I'd, I'd seen somebody comment that they thought this movie was played for laughs and and you know obviously to each your own we all have different reads on it but i i just thought the kills were super intense i didn't think that yeah, a lot I mean, of them were funny or meant to be funny like man yeah. that that stabbing in the face the mm-hmm. annika's death is
0: ruthless like this is even this with- is, yeah. Even with what happened with Mindy, I was worried for her. That was very vicious. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I was, and I'll talk about this next week, but I watched Evil Dead Rise in theaters, and there were people in the theater that were burst out laughing during the Evil Dead Rise. And I'm like, "There's, there's not a lot funny happening right now. I know there's like funny demon stuff
2: yeah (laughs) or the demon
1: being quote-unquote funny but some of the parts they were just bursting out laughing i'm like that that was devastating straight
2: yeah yeah
1: and i think what that is is a lot of times that's just their nervous tension reaction Mm. yeah that, like, it happens, and instead of screaming or panting or whatever, they laugh because that's their release of the tension.
2: I get that. That's like going through a haunted house and cackling. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: totally. Yeah. So some people, they might even, after the fact, think of how much they laughed and then think something in that context, like, oh, it was played for laughs. Well, yeah. No, clearly it was making you laugh for other reasons, unless you totally didn't like the movie, Well, yeah. yeah.
2: But I also see when you add like a series that there is definitely a comedic element to both franchises that, mm-hmm. you know, can, can definitely blur some lines. But, yeah, I just like the intensity of this one. They they had comedy for sure and, and dialogue and some gags. But for the most part, this was super intense for me. Mm. Um, we have to talk about the finale being one of the intense set pieces. Um, I, I am a big fan of. One there's just there's definitely something very visually interesting about an abandoned theater that feels very appropriate for this franchise. Um, yeah, and then it serves a narrative purpose too because it ties back to Richie and and the reveal that surprise these killers they are related that that is their golden child family member who got murdered and they're out for revenge. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of stabby stabby. There's this is the first one. Not that Sydney's ever not been a badass she's but there's a bloodthirstiness to these carpenter sisters that mm-hmm. i just feel like is perfect not just for these characters but for slashers you know when the final girl was first coined by uh clover the film theorist she talked about you know what a final girl is and it's usually like you know, Lori Strode, they're very virtuous girls. And this is this is how you know that they're destined for final girl status. Whereas these are not those girls anymore. This is modern final girl. And they're they're going to be just as vicious as the killers. Yeah, it's about time. But I don't know. Did that? I love work? that?
0: Did that work for you, too? It works for me because kind of like what you said, it's modern now. And they're sick and tired of this, you know, so it's yeah. just like, go for it stab him and i do have a question but i'll wait until afterwards okay okay john did
2: it work do you like bloodthirsty girls Uh,
1: yeah and i assume that it's also it's continuing the momentum off the last one of people thinking that she was going to be the killer or one of them was going to be the killer both of them are going to be the killer i think it's just kind of snowballing that concept of okay like now at one point is this trauma going to be shifted to something else and you know and i appreciated that there was much less um skeet ulrich in the movie i, I just don't like the aging technology they just they don't get it right yet and it's uncanny valley <laughs> to the extreme it looks for weird me. yeah so so i really appreciated that he was just kind of a reflection in some glass and that it wasn't a reflection in a mirror or something like that if they were going to show it because i kind of forgot about that part anyway um so, yeah, like I, I'm i curious to see, assuming the same people are involved with the next scream, how they're going to progress the character because of we see this mounting trauma and as well as a, a, a brutality and a viciousness for the survivors to see how psychologically they're going to dive into that impact, mm-hmm. which I think they have to at this point. I think that has to be a part of like the next plot line or something um so yeah no it worked it, it was definitely like holy shit yeah <laughs> she's. She, i mean she's... think
2: about if you're ghost face and this is what you have to deal with i might think twice be like ah, i'm just gonna go home yeah. and watch some giallo yeah
1: <laughs> m- maybe m- maybe i'm just gonna shoot her from a long way yeah. away
0: need <laughs> like, to jump then... it. yeah just...
1: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> what was
0: your question Zita? Well, yeah, f- for you both, um, with the character Sam, I really like her. I love the fact that she has so many layers and, like, uh, with part five, when we found out that she could see Billy, she could see her dad, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, that's that's a cool thing, like little surprise going on. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we know that Billy was a terrible boyfriend, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> you know, but do you think that he's a bad dad? <laughs> because... It- He's looking out for his daughter, you know? I mean, people were trying to kill her, so... But that's,
2: that's assuming that she's talking to a ghost and not that's her sh- fractured psyche. True, but... She's,
0: just a question,
2: you know? I, I feel like, no, he would not have been a good dad just because, well, one, we we won't know because he died before he realized he was ever going to be a dad, Um. But he has some severe issues to the point where his mom left him and therefore he was like, I'm going to go on a murder spree. That's not healthy. That's not good dad it. material. It it. But
0: I mean, OK, so it, it probably, but her version of yeah.
2: of what her dad could be in her mind is definitely like a very good self-preservation skill.
1: he's supportive and empowering
2: empowering yes he he definitely helps her survive for sure because both movies have been like p.s you're in danger girl
0: so (laughs) i just love it when he tells her to gut them back i'm like (laughs) oh daddy her stabbing
2: (laughs) is more ruthless than i think a ghost face is like there is like this strength and power in those stabbings like no i don't want to be on the receiving end of her anger
1: oh when she picks out the knife and he says good choice yeah first of all dude that was gross that was yours don't don't be daddy's girl yes Yeah. yeah uh
2: i am i am happy that tara got a little bit of a hero moment too which apparently was something that she wanted and gave feedback for she was like i think it would be really good if i had something to do here versus just being off to the side Mm -hmm. i think it worked because you know you got three killers you're gonna need help sam even though you are a little bit of a killer so yeah uh i think we've touched on the plot and the scream components but this movie as we mentioned, is packed to the gills and then some with Easter eggs. So thoughts on the inclusion of Easter eggs, and maybe some of your favorites. See, I'm sure you got
0: tons. Um, I guess just going back, because uh, we we kind of already touched on it. I love the fact that you know in the opening, um, with that cat. What was it? Was it Tony? That's his real name. That's his real name. Hold on, I got the character's name. It Sorry, is I can't re- remember his name. Jason Harvey is okay, his well, name. G- well, Jason Carvey, I love the fact that he is a big horror fan. He really loves the Stab movies. Um, and the fact that he's just, you know, at home, <laughs> thinking he's going to have a nice relaxing night watching, after you know, murder. Jason Takes. Yeah, after murdering I mean, After someone, draining
1: the life out of a professor. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And he
0: just went home like nothing happened. What an no, animal. He's <laughs> going
2: to pour himself a drink and watch Jason Takes Manhattan. Yeah. Like a so I
0: just kind of, I like the fact that they've been showcasing, like, Jason Takes Manhattan, which, you know, it's makes us feel great give us all the feels and the fact too like you know i remember once upon a time not anymore but i remember once upon a time when i would talk to someone who um they don't always watch horror right but mm-hmm. then he didn't know what a giallo was he, he he's never heard of it before but obviously the fact that this is like bringing oh my god bringing people more to the light yes indoctrinating <laughs> them it. to giallo yeah okay so- sorry just nerding out all good.
2: All good. Um, Did you have... What are your thoughts on the Easter eggs? Did did some stand out? Uh, did, are you like, this is too much?
1: Well, you know, kind of like I said with Samar Weaving and The Bride and stuff. That was probably my favorite because I just thought that was funny. Um, But I mean, it really, the, the whole movie is Easter eggs. Yeah. You, you get to the final set piece and it's literally A whole made museum, of Easter yeah. eggs. Like, it's everything you're like oh, God, that was the sheet, and that was this, and that was the TV, and that was everything. So, you know, I I think it's probably one of those things where I can only imagine there's got to be some YouTube video out there that says, like, every Easter egg in Scream 6, and it's probably longer than the video that's all the unanswered questions and lost. Yes. And it's just kind of like, yeah, so it, it wasn't necessarily that one stood out more than another as much as, I think they were all, maybe with the exception of the final set piece, they were subtle enough for me that it wasn't like, all right, there's, because there's a line between too much fan service. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need to answer every question. You don't need to refer to everything. This story can be its own thing. Um, and I thought it did a good job, at least as far as my mindset was concerned. Maybe I'll go back and be like, oh, my God, why did they include oh, that? Oh, no, so no. But, I think
2: you're I don't know how many viewings it would take you to find them all because the the yeah. subway costuming alone, like co- a costume oh, designer, God. Avery Plues went nuts. Uh, yeah. There are any horror movie you could probably think of is going to be in that cart. Yeah, kudos
1: to the person who's going to dress like Pinhead on Halloween. Jesus.
2: Yeah, yeah. Babadook is a rep. Yeah, so you've got... Oh,
1: yeah, the Babadook one was good. You've got
2: the costumes, which is a whole other thing. You've got the movie Easter eggs, like paying tribute to the franchise itself. And then you've got other... You've got the Wes Craven stuff, which is not nearly, like, in your face as the last one, but it's there. Like, the Bagoda's name is literally uh, referencing one of the porn movies that uh, Mr. Craven... Had directed under a different name. That's so, so cool. It's a very deep cut. <laughs> yeah, they're like some very deep cut um, things. I, I did interview Avery Plews, and she talked about how like the, some of the color choices for you know Courtney Cox would would be emulating Wes Craven's. Birthstone, um, and just oh. things Holy like penis. that. Uh, some of the street names, things, numbers are have intent. If you look at the bodega, I don't know if you could see it without really picking it apart, but apparently there's Miska's Mead, which is also a nod to Brad Miska from Bloody Disgusting, one of the co-founders. So there's like all sorts of... Oh, man, that's
1: awesome. That's so
2: cool. We we don't have enough time to go through all of the Easter eggs, but they were also paying tribute, they being the directors, um, paying tribute to people and, you know, their career rise. So Miska being one of them. um, You have uh, Lonely Island. They both were coming up together i think they were one of their first friends um what the directors told me when i interviewed them so like akiva goldsmith is a voice in this um i think you should just leave tim robbins is one of the ones who who you can hear him he's the when they introduce bailey or quinn bailey as uh, promiscuous he's yeah. the one behind the door saying who's paul Or something like that like that's so yeah you have like some surprising voice cameos in here that you wouldn't suspect so yeah it's uh there's a lot going on but i think the movie does such a good job of being fun that you're not like dwelling on these things i think does that sum it up do we have anything else to have add any final thoughts things we might have missed
0: I feel like we, there's some so many things I feel like we we missed, but <laughs> um, I'm definitely going to rewatch it again because I only saw it twice. And I've been I mean, I don't know about this, but I've been you know, I've been hearing from other people that they, this is like their 17th watch. And oh, my like people because they they do want to like catch everything and like fully experience it and stuff like that. But I'm excited to um, just rewatch it again tomorrow by the time this episode comes out you know yeah. just you know just for the feels I, I love how witty it is i love how violent the script is and it's very modern um and i feel like it's there's there's something for everyone yeah i agree I think the
1: only thing we missed are chad's internal organs oh, Chad. that poor guy's been stabbed <laughs> so, so many, many times.
0: times he's
2: doing 2.0 he's oh like that God. sweet baby that you just want to protect but boy yeah. can he take a sharp end of a blade
1: evidently good for him mm. man yeah. I get a paper cut and I'm just worthless.
0: <laughs> I guess, oh, I'm sorry. Can we um just real quick, can we talk about just the ending? Like, okay, so when Sam has the the mask, I know I keep on going back to her. I just feel like there's just so much to unpack with her character, you know? Um, with her mask, do you think because I know some people were saying, oh, one day she's gonna be the killer or something. Do you guys think that that's in her?
2: I don't I think this movie was doing a really good job of saying she's got the potential and the darkness in her, but she's also got the presence of mind to to prevent it. She was going yeah. she was going to therapy before the ready or not actor Henry Zerny was uh, a <laughs> terrible professional there. Um yeah. and she was very concerned with having her younger sister address the mm-hmm. trauma. So I feel like that was her saying like This is not the path I'm going down by discarding the mask.
1: I I could see, yeah, more than putting on the mask, I could see some iteration in the future turning it on its head where someone decides to put the ghost face mask on and come after her. And she literally almost immediately starts hunting them. (laughs) Like all of a sudden, it just turns into ghost faces running. Not in the final scene, (laughs) it was literally she's hunting the, the. Yeah, you done fucked up. Yeah. Now you're in trouble. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't think I I don't think she'll put on the ghost face. I'm more curious to see what else they do with the character. Cause I feel like that's I don't want to say too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're building a complex enough final girl out of her. Yeah. That it's gotta be something deeper than, okay, now she's the villain. You know, what is it, the you die a hero or live long enough to be the villain or whatever mm. crap. Like, I, I I hope they don't do that. I hope it's more complex.
2: Yeah, Same. I agree. I agree. And one final question then that just occurred to me as vicious as this was, the body count is actually not very high. Mm-hmm. Does that bother you? Is that a, a for or against or neither here nor there? I personally did not mind. I wanted these people to live. And that says a lot about a slasher. I think.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, same. And also, I feel like because it was so brutal, I mean, it felt like it was more than enough. Yeah, I agree. Uh,
1: I'm I'm not going to lie. When I watched it, it didn't bother me. Okay. Because to, to you're the same. Yeah, like, I like these characters. Right. But kind of, like, after the fact, I was like, but nobody important died. Yeah. So it kind of turned into season four of Stranger Things, the spoilers, where it's like, Okay, if if people just have plot armor, then it, it's gonna take me out of it. Like there has to be stakes. Like, was it sad to see Dewey die? Sure. He had to die, though. It was important no. for the script. Um uh um not st- Randy. Him dying in the second one was huge. Didn't see that coming at all. All of a sudden he gets yanked into a van in broad which they bring up in this one. <laughs> And it's like holy crap! Like that—that adds so much more to the movie when there is that vulnerability of anyone can die. Because they keep saying anyone can die, yeah, but nobody's dying. (laughs) So, like, I feel like I kind—I kind of need those stakes in the next one. I don't necessarily want them to die, right? But I think it's important for the franchise and the storytelling for someone to die, for sure. But for this, everybody got to live this time. But for this one, I'm good. Yeah. Next one.
2: Ah, somebody's so yeah up die. the stakes yeah i agree there no. but yeah for this one i think it's fine
1: <laughs> no no well the actors can all live the characters have to die then no. how about that it
2: still hurts <laughs> it does it does hurt but i do think this might need more than a core for to make that happen because there really wasn't a mm. whole lot of people die it, from randy to dewey the the mm-hmm. bar of like important people was it's always been pretty low all things considered yeah. i think yeah. you need to kind of beef up some tertiary and secondary characters to make that work. But yeah, agreed.
0: agree. I agree. And I was just going to say, and it, and it does make sense too, like that. They're, when you think about how many people were dying, because think about what just happened to them like a year ago. Why would they want to have whole, a whole new bunch of new people around them? You know, unless necessary, you know, with Chad and his roommate and then, you know, the Carpenter sisters with Quinn. So yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that wraps it up. It
1: does. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Xena can be found on our own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at Lovely zena on Twitter. And you can hear me in my final week at Cam- creep away on my podcast, Creepy. Don't forget to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Be Pod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John.
0: I'm Megan. I'm Xena.
1: Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. What's your favorite scary movie?